Welcome to the Confidence Coach Podcast with me, Andy Tickner, the Confidence Coach. So a little about this podcast. As a coach, my sweet spot is really to empower women to navigate their corporate career with confidence, but in a way that feels truly authentic and in alignment with who they are. You know, I've spent over 30 years in corporate myself, and so I know only too well the challenges of what it's like to strive to be yourself in a world where convention rules. So whilst corporate might be my world, I'm anything but conventional. And so I wanted to create this podcast as a way to connect you with inspiring everyday women who are living their truth. You'll find women here who are unapologetic about who they are, women who are following their spirit, women paving their own way and making up their own rules, and women living in integrity, authenticity, and alignment with really what sets their heart and soul on fire. What you'll hear are conversations that are vulnerable, they're honest, they're real. What you'll hear are everyday women and their incredible stories of what's possible when you start to show up in this world fully as you. And to be that person takes confidence. So if you're looking for inspiration, a permission slip, and the tools, tips and tricks to have the confidence to step into your truth, let go of who you think you're meant to be and start being who you are, then this is going to be life-changing for you. On with today's episode. Today I am oh, beyond excited. So excited, excited, excited. Um, a, because it's Friday, but also B, I have an absolutely epic, epic guest on the podcast, Zoe Swain. I can't wait to introduce you to her. So Zoe is a sexuality leader, a coach, an embodiment practitioner, who will work with you to bring you more pleasure, wisdom, and aliveness into your body, your relationships, career, and life. Now, doesn't that sound fucking amazing and phenomenal? And (laughs) yes, it does. And to me, actually, Zoe is, gosh, so much more than that. So um, you guys won't know this, probably, but Zoe is also my coach. So we've been working together for the last few months, and I've had Uh, the absolute pleasure of getting to know her and her absolute power. And she is just wonderful. So Zoe is a mother of two kids, and I'm sure she'll talk about that. She's a business coach. She's a yoga teacher. She runs incredible events that include Enlightenment in the Bedroom, which is an amazing event that I attended myself in Sydney talking about all things sexuality and intimacy and just it was such a beautiful experience so highly recommend that you attend any of those events that are coming up in the future which I know that they are in February here in Sydney and in Newcastle she runs women's retreats I reckon she's an absolute badass she rides a cool motorbike she's got an amazing rad car she is absolutely (laughs) unapologetically herself I love it I love all of her all she's got to offer she is epic and let's dive in and welcome Zoe oh my god thank you holy heck how do I live up to that I guess I just be myself (laughs) thanks love that was really beautiful um yeah it's it's always interesting to see to receive how others perceive or, or like be with your being so thank you it was beautiful yeah absolutely look A huge part of the work that I do, and everyone will know this if they follow me or listen to me, is about people, particularly women that I work with, showing up in this world fully, unapologetically themselves, giving themselves permission to be exactly who they are, not who they think they're meant to be. And you being on the podcast today is going to be a really great conversation around how we can help women do more of that for themselves because a lot of the work that you do is about sexuality and getting to know yourself and body wisdom and I believe that in order for you to really be yourself you need to connect in with all of your parts of yourself right Um, and to be able to fully trust yourself it's it's super important um, particularly when it comes to cutting off the mind and getting more into the body. So we'll definitely get into all of that. But before we start, officially welcome. Thank you for making the time. And I'd love you just to talk a little bit about 
your journey, your background, how you've gotten into this place that you're in right now. And also, which I haven't heard this myself yet, but you've um, taken a really big step, I guess, uh, in changing your name recently. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful name. I I just adore it. Um, And I'd love you to talk about that as well, that experience. May May I say what your name is? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Lily. I just yeah. love it. I love it so much. So, the, the, the drum roll as you're about to say it. I just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And the way that it's spelled with Ellie, with the accent on the E and then L double I, it's just, yeah, it's so nice. And when it popped up when you were coming into the Zoom today, Lily's joining. I just, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's just my little, my little thing that I love. So lots to start with, but yeah, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about you um, before we get started. Okay. Well, you know, unless we're here for a month, uh, a month and a half, <laughs> I'll probably keep this relatively short. Um, I've had quite an interesting and flavorful life with so many parts that many, many people probably have no idea about, but I guess the main pieces are, oh, okay. The main pieces that I'll probably share today is just, um, I'm a, I was originally a country girl and and when I say originally up until probably 5 years ago I lived on big cattle and sheep properties all of my life. I originated in well, I was born in North Queensland and we lived on um sheep station till I was 7 and then we moved up into the Gulf of Carpentaria right up in the bight. And we had 600 square miles with cattle and horses up there. I've always um, ridden. I could ride before I could walk. And I've competed. I've won many Australian championships um, in the rodeo arena and also um, won on the world stage as well. That was back in 2009 and through 2011 was like all of my Australian and Oh, actually 2006 to 2011. It was a bit longer stint. Um, all of my Australian and, and world stuff. And, uh, I started getting into yoga. Um, I actually used to be a horse dentist an equine dentist. And I, I, my family and I had, um, yeah, so vastly <laughs> different to what so I do nice. right now. <laughs> just, it's like amazing. Like, oh, there's so much to you. Oh, love it. Um, so I used to work in between the States and New Zealand and Australia, and we had a teaching facility. So that was with my private clientele, uh, working on their horses and also teaching people about equine dentistry. Cause most people don't even understand it. Even a lot of the people who are doing it themselves, because there's no regulation as such of the industry at this stage. Anyway, um, my parents and I, Mm, I moved to Japan after I finished or when I was three quarters of the way through university, thought I was going to live and work there as a translator. And I didn't really like the, the, what didn't I like? I didn't like sticking out like a sore thumb and being like really ogled at like a hundred percent of the time, you know, like sitting on the train and being, you know, a hundred people in the, in the thing. And every single set of eyes was looking at you in the eyes. Like, you know, cause I'm just like this tall Amazonian blonde human being, um, with boobs and a big booty. And it's like, you know, it's just like, ah, what is this? I lived in a, in a small, um, village called Kurashiki in the Okiyama Ken, which is like, um, Southern area. And yeah, people have just never seen a human being that looked like me. And so I just became super, I felt so isolated. And and you knowing me, you know that my values are like connection is such a high value to me. And I felt so disconnected. So I moved back to Australia and my parents were starting an equine dentistry school here. Um, so I helped with the admin of that, just like not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Cause I was like, fuck, I put eight years of study into Japanese, like studying Japanese and thought I was going to, you know, travel around the world as a translator. And no, it wasn't for me. I just, I just was like, I lost my passion for it. So I started getting into the dentistry arena and then I became so impassioned with it that I got into the industry. And then I became, um, over 
several years. I think I was in that industry about 10 or 12 years. And over those years, I grew up the ladder and I became the only master equine dentist in the world uh, as a woman. So there was like eight um, eight of us and seven of those were men. Bit of an old boys club, but um, <laughs> anyway, so that was like that kind of, um, that lifestyle. And then I... I got married to a man and we had two beautiful children together who are now nine and 12, nearly, nearly 13 and 10. Oh my God. I feel so like, what? (laughs) Like adult humans in the making. Um, and then things started to go a little bit South and that's what's led me to the work that I do now. And when I say South, um, there's a long line of mental illness and depression and, um, yeah, in my, in my family. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my grandmother, who was the absolute apple of my eye, she was like the most loving human being I ever imagined on the whole face of the earth. She was, she was, um, yeah, just an incredible woman, um, and I cherish her every single day to this day. Um, but there was, like, this mental illness going on, and I got to a point in my life where I was, like, I was, you know, winning all my championships. I just had a beautiful baby boy. I was making money. My business was successful. My marriage was great. Like, you know, he just kind of went along with everything that I suggested. That was sort of really suited me at the time. Um, and we were doing really well and, and yet every day I would cry and every day I would feel depressed and every day I would just feel like, what am I doing? Like, what's the point, you know? And, uh, I remember like the moment that just really brought me undone when I was sitting out in the paddock on the back of a ute and just crying to my husband and just being like, I'm so fucking depressed. I don't know how to get myself out of this. I don't know what's, what's wrong with my life. Nothing's wrong with it. Like as such in my logical mind. So I was encouraged by my family to go and get antidepressants. Um, I was very resistant to that. And at the time I'd been vegetarian since I was 17. Um, so I thought my, my, you know, nutrition was like, my health is fine. You know, I'm a vegetarian. Meanwhile, like you can be the utmost strict vegan and be eating, you know, chips and Coke. <laughs> yeah. So, True. yeah. So I started going down the route of, um, looking, I took the antidepressants for three months. And in that three months, I lost all of my libido. I lost all of my drive for life. I felt like I didn't give a fuck if I died or not. And that's one of the things it says on the labeling of antidepressants. Like you may have suicidal thoughts. I'm like, what, what is, what is it? What I was supposed to be getting away from this. Um, so I started looking into nutrition. And at that point I was like, I'm the kind of person that when I do something, I do it like fully do it, fully do it. So I went, (laughs) yeah, I went raw vegan and, uh, I just cleaned up my diet. I stopped drinking alcohol for a couple of years. I just, I was like, if I want to get well, I want to like test if this is going to work or not. And I get, I got really, really well. And then it led to me starting to get into yoga. One of the nannies we had working for us, because I, you know, I had a really busy business and we owned a big property and um, just trying to run all of the things with a couple of little kids, like little baby kids, and I needed help. So I had nannies working for me at different times. One of the nannies introduced me to yoga and I was like, oh my God. And so then my love of yoga erupted and from my love of yoga became this like, whoa, I'm in my body. What the hell is this? And then my desire to, to be with the parts of my marriage that were breaking down and be with the parts of like the numbness that I would feel when I would lie down and, you know, feel like I love my husband and I also hate having sex with him. Um, and just because I was so disconnected from my body, you know, so disconnected from my body and, all the judgments and self-image and all of that sort of stuff come into it. So I started journeying through sexuality work and all of that kind of brought me to a place where I had to give up things in my life. So I gave up the horses, you know, and because of that, many of the people who knew me, including my family, just couldn't understand me at all anymore. And they started to just completely disown me and just say, you're not, you're not, you're not who you are anymore. Like you're not one of us. We can't accept you, et cetera, et cetera. And I, my marriage just started to disintegrate 
in into little pieces, um, little fragments, and I started to meet people that I was like, oh, my God, these are my people. These are my people. Like these people that are like, you know, they're just like they don't care what they say and they're really open-minded and they share their experience and it's all authentic and they're not trying to be somebody and they're not stabbing me in the back and blah, 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 blah. So I just started to spiral into like the, a different circumstance in my life. And yeah, my um, husband and I separated. I moved down to Newcastle and asked him to move down here as well. He has family down here. And so we co-parent down here. And um, now I guess like, yeah, through the last several years, I've really just been pulled deeper into the work of life force energy, which is sexual energy, orgasmic energy. And that has brought me to being a life, not a life coach, a sex coach. Um, I was a hypnotherapist. I had a hypnotherapy practice. I had a bodywork practice, a yoga studio, blah, 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 all the things. I'm always into all the different things. I always have my finger in many pies. Um, and now I've really, I think as I reached 40, I, well, it just, as I was coming to 40, maybe like 39, 38 to 40, I decided to go, actually, I want to simplify my life. I've got so much going on. I just want to simplify and just be more with my family, with my children and more with my partner, um, now who works between Antarctica and here. And so time when he's here is so important to spend time together, um, so sexuality coach, I still do, you know, some of my programs, I still incorporate some of my hypnosis work. Uh, and, you know, essentially people come to me, most people come to me not knowing what they, they're just like, I don't even know what it is. I don't know what it is about you, but there's something and I want to, I, can we work together or like, what does it look like? And I just go, great. So it's usually around, um, these days it's usually around sexuality power, freedom, and success. And so that's like my business coaching branch is over here and I incorporate like embodied business into that. And I mainly, I, I do actually only work with hundred percent women on their business at this stage. And then over here, I have my programs and I have my speaker events where I bring in speakers to speak about sexuality, relating intimacy, all those things. I, I like, I'm such about bringing this sacred um, body experience, the embodiment, the sex, sacred sexuality to the mainstream. Cause it's like, this is, yeah. this is how we get people to be with each other. And they start making decisions from the body rather than from this like mind that's riddled with limiting beliefs, you know? Um, 100%. yeah. And so, and I take a really no, and I, you've sworn, so this is fine. I take a really no bullshit approach to, um, you know, I hold a really strong masculine and I'm like, we're going to do all of the fucking things to get you to where you want to go. Like this is, you know, showing up every single day, blah, blah, blah. And then also we create that safety and that strength in the container so that then we can have a whole bunch of fun and we can, you know, just be really flowy and chaotic and all of those things. And so that's some of the work that I do with men. I work one-on-one only with men. Um, I do have a men's program on my website, but the work I do specifically with men is one-on-one, taking them through a journey with me. And then um, usually at the end, I'll take them on this beautiful retreat one-on-one and just really help them to embody and connect to, like most of the men who come to me have um, an inability to trust the feminine. And so that's that's what I do. I kind of bring that to them. And a lot of the women that work with me um, have a feeling that they are not able to shop in their masculine. So that's kind of the work, you know, that I bring to them most. Um, okay, that's super interesting. Nearly there. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You can, yeah, Go. I've got a question around that. Oh, just because yeah. I think it's interesting when you say that a lot of women come to you um, around kind of getting into the masculine, whereas I feel like, and maybe this is just my personal experience and the world that I I guess inhabit a lot of the time, which is very corporate, which feels very masculine. And actually, um, because it's structured, because it's conventional, because it's um, very masculine, literally, um, that actually I find that a lot of women um, do operate, therefore, in a very, um, particularly from the mind, and find it hard to connect in with their body and connect in with their feminine and, and are afraid sometimes to be emotional or show emotional, or show emotions rather, um, particularly in, in the workplace. 
um, for fear of judgment or, oh, she's a woman, she's too sensitive. So uh, I'm interested that you said that. Yeah. I don't know if you can expand on yeah, that. So, yeah, absolutely. Let me expand on that. Um, and I 100% like was aware of that when I, when I said that piece. So the piece here that I want to share is that most of the the masculine that women are in is the shadow masculine these days. And um, yes. unless we're going to go deeply into archetypes, I probably won't touch too far down the rabbit hole. But the the piece around the shadow is like, I'm doing the thing and I'm closing my heart and I'm going to get the shit done and I'm not going to feel anything. I'm going to be numb about it. I, you know, there's, there's rules here and we're, you know, that's the shadow masculine, the shadow meaning the part that we don't necessarily like that we're not necessarily aware of that's not necessarily like in love um because all of the archetypes move from a like they're because of love and whereas the masculine from love goes i love you come with me we're going to the thing okay so it's like he creates he in a he creates um a, a container or a place of safety or a place of structure out of love. It's not this self-judgment piece of like, I should do fucking better. I should have done this. I can never show through for myself or show, you know, follow through for myself. The, the masculine coming from love goes, I love you. And I'm here for this. I absolutely will not back away from you. And so it's like incorporating those daily practices and incorporating a, a speak of like the the, the socket dad, you know, he's like, I love you, son. Keep going, doing really well. That's a, that's a voice we don't, you know, the, the masculine woman doesn't have inside of her. Right. So it's like taking that shadow masculine to the healthy masculine. Um, and then yes, I 100% agree that a lot of the women that I work with have a, a, a block around connecting to their heart, their body, their emotion, this, their sensation, because let's face it, society deems it wrong. Society deems that people in general, men or women who are connected to their feeling and their emotion are a hindrance. And that's how I was brought up as well. And that's, you know, it's a big part of why I do what I do. Cause I had to break down all of those walls and be like, God, it's really scary to show up. For instance, in my relationship, you know, I'm having this like experience of like, God, I miss my, my partner so much. And I'm having so much emotion around this. And there's so much going on for me. And he just stays and he just sits. And I'm like, is this too much for you? Like, am I being too much? And he's just like, no, like be more, do it. Like be yourself, wow. be your embodied being self, you know? And that's what the masculine does from love. The inner masculine goes, I can handle this. I love you. I'm always going to be here. You know, he doesn't abandon himself. So that's a little bit of an expansion on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, I don't know if you want to carry on where you were going and if there's anything you want to finish off, but then I can come back. Great. Okay. Um, the last thing I think that you asked me was around, um, because I'm not going to get into my business offerings because that, that's like a whole different thing. The last thing you asked me was around my name change and um, it's not a legal change yet. It's an, it's a, it's very new and it's something that has been wanting to come through for me. It's been knocking on my in, inner door for so, so long. And I've talked to one of like a couple of my closest friends about it for so, so long. I'm like, God. And one of my friends actually had changed her name. And I was like, what is it like? It's so weird. Like it's, you're so weird. <laughs> like what is happening? You're changing your name. Like I can't even, I can't even, you know, understand this. Um, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's because it, it wanted to come through so deeply in me. And I always looked at people who changed their name and I was like, that's such a weird thing to do. Like, why bother? Like, it's your name, you know? And I can understand if people are wanting to like, you know, seek refuge from something or get away from some past story in their life. And I could do that. Like I, you know, my past story is like something that I could run away from, but actually, um, this is not about running away from it. It's running towards it. It's like hearing this name going through my mind every day and feeling like, what kind of person am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And then it's like the embodiment of like, yes, the masculine, yes, the feminine. So the masculine is this strength to show up and the feminine hears the messages. She hears the whispers of the universe, you know? And she's like, she's the one who hears when she wakes up in the morning. She's like, what is that? What is that? What is that? Like, let me have that. And then, so these whispers come in and then she takes them to the masculine and goes, what do we do with this? And he goes, 
we change our name. This is what we do. Like we listen, listen, we're here for this. So, um, you know, there's a little bit more to it. There's, it's like a deep honoring of my, my deceased grandmother and, um, some of my, you know, past story, but like, that's essentially it for me. So yeah, it's vulnerable as fuck, to be honest, like changing your name. And it's like constantly having to claim it every day. And some people feel really awkward, really awkward about it. They just call you like, oh, hey. And you're like, oh, my God. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and yesterday I was in a coffee shop, the coffee shop I normally go to, and I quit coffee for a month, but I was getting a matcha. Um, and the the beautiful woman who, like, owns the coffee shop, her and her husband, they were there. And I was like, hey, you guys always use my name, and I'd love to just give you my, my new name. Like, I've changed my name. And she was like, oh. I'm obviously like, this is vulnerable even just speaking in this way because I don't want to like denigrate her by any means. Like she's such a beautiful woman. Anyway, um, and she said, oh, what? You, Zoe is such a beautiful name. And I'm like, I know it's a beautiful name, but I've changed my name to Lily. And she goes, oh, no, this terrible name. She said, sound like baby kangaroo. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, thank you, universe. Like another opportunity to just stand in the mud. Thank you. It was so funny. And I was just like, that's fine. Like, I like it. It's, it's you know, it's me. So it's every day having to claim it and go, no, it's Lily. It's Lily. It's Lily. It's like having to claim your place. And it's a huge dis, uh, do you say demand, uh, dismantling of my ego. Like I've created this like as you know, I had the huge Instagram following, which got deleted by Instagram a while ago, like 30,000 followers. Um, that was under Zoe Swain. I created another one. And it's like, so it's only about 2,000 now. And then now I'm going to change my name. And it's like, oh my God, because you de-ego yourself anymore. Like feeling like I, I, I really feel like it's a time in society to just start to pull away the labels. Like, yeah, the label for this, the label for yes. that, the gender like, label, yes. the, the yeah, yeah, just pull them all off and just let's just be humans. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm so for that. Like, I think as a society, we'll always want to put people in a box, always want to give them a label, you know, and I found that in developing my business. I'm like, we don't need to be like that. If that doesn't suit us, then fuck it. Um, but there's yeah. so much that you just said, which I want to dive into because I think a lot of your experience in your journey, what you've just described, um, I think people will resonate with. Uh, firstly, I want to go to the soul's calling because you were just talking then about the name was the whisper of your soul coming through, right? And that leads me into just kind of connecting the dots the way that I see it, which is you get the kind of soul's calling and the voice that will just continue. It's like knocking on the door, as I always call it. It's like a little child pulling at your pants going, hello, hello, like, you know, uh, I want attention. Um, but then it's your own hmm, uh, inner knowing and wisdom that sits within your body that, that I feel allows you to then follow that through and act on that. Um, it's the mind that will tell you why you can't do it, but it's your body that's telling you why, why you want to and why you should. And, and then you then, and I'm kind of going everywhere here, so who knows how we're going to dismantle this one and break it apart and go through it. But you also then got into the role that the masculine plays and the role that the feminine plays within that. So there's there's kind of three parts to that that I saw as you were describing it. So I think for people that are listening that are going, yeah, I kind of get that voice or how do I, how do I have the courage? How do I have the vulnerability? How do I have the bravery to listen to that? Um, and you also talked about, you know, when you followed this, I guess, calling um, to step into being um, a sexuality coach, which obviously there's a lot more before you got to that point, but moving away from everything that you've done before um, and your family not understanding you, people not understanding you, it's like, how, how do you do that? How do you navigate that? Were you unwavering in that? Were you questioning it? So I think there's a lot of lessons um, and I think support that we can give people just with your own journey that you've described. So um, something I want to say before I hand out any advice is uh, 
My experience of life is going to be different to yours, going to be different to everyone else's. And my experience of life is I was taught to be extremely strong when I was younger. Um, I, my parents did an incredible job of making me a super resilient human being. And my, like, it's kind of like the way I like to do life is, um, and I know this is not the way everyone likes to do life, but I feel like you hold a little bit of a common thread. The way that I like to do life is I like to, I like to get the can opener and like really open the can of worms and just like let them all come out. And I really want to like see them and I want to be with them and like put my hands in the can of worms. And um, some people don't want to do that. And that's fine. It's not, there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Some people would rather go, nah, nah, nah. I know that's going to bring up a lot of stuff for me, so I'm not going to look at it. Um, And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because that's a coping mechanism. But my mechanism for coping is to, to look at every single thing. And like, I think it becomes, I think it actually might stem from being an only child and being like the only one that can kind of there was a, there was a lot of drama in my childhood. Right. And so it's like, I, I almost feel like sometimes opening the can of worms gives me that little hit of creating drama. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, let's, let's look at it. You know, like, let's look at it. <laughs> um, so there's, there's that. I just want to be really clear on that because it's important. I think that people know that like, Oh, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to open the can of worms. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? No, it doesn't. It's just the way that I do life is like that particular way. And I always, um, ever since I started, huh, it's probably like six years ago. I don't even know the turning point, but I just remember thinking it might've been something someone said to me, something around whatever you say, you absolutely won't do. You absolutely will do. Right. And so I was like, um, you know, for instance, I'll absolutely never cheat on a partner. Done it. I'll absolutely never be a business coach. Done it. I'll absolutely never run a marathon. Done it. You know, like, so there's that as well, where I'm like, and this is the piece of Tantra. This is what we learn through the Tantric principles is that we, we, each of us is everything. We're that which we love. We're that which we are disgusted and, you know, ugh, just hate. Um, we are that which, you know, we see in our mother and we don't like. We're that which we see, you know, we can't be friends with that person. We're that. We're that. We're those things as well. And so, um, yeah. but yeah. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, well, if I'm all of it, let's do all of it. And it's how do you, how do you do it? I have that, you know, that curiosity, right? But it's also sometimes really scary, really scary. And I just go, fuck it. I just, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other one day at a time and see what happens. Like it's a bit of my, like, um, what do you call that? It's like a bit of my, not a logo, but like my, my ethos at the moment. Like, let's just see what happens. Let's just like do the outlandish thing and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause we just, we just have one life. And so let's just send it really hard and put our hand on the throttle and just go and s- see what happens. We can always make mis- We're going to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not having a go. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think maybe what it is then is it's about how do you, and I say you in, in the general yeah. sense, um, start to more step into speaking your truth mm. and, 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 um, starting to get to know yourself a little bit more, um, starting to um, just look under the covers and just see what's behind the door. What are those parts of us that we don't like, but but it's time to meet again? Um, and that can be a step-by-step process. It can be something that's slow. For someone like you, you're like, I'm all in, just give me all the stuff, give me all the dark stuff, and I'm throwing myself in. For other people, that's a different process, and that's why we're all individual and, and unique, of course. But I, I wonder whether we could just talk about wh- where to start, um, because often when I'm working with people, actually just having everyday conversations, 
you know, sometimes I think, am I the only person that actually wants to do this life in my own way? And I want to show up and I just want to be me. And I don't want to have to worry what anybody else thinks because it's nothing to do with me. But I'm not because I work with people who go, I just, I just want to be me and I don't know how to be. So where would you go with that? I mean, if I could go, if I could take people back to like before they become a parent, for instance, if you're going to become a parent, I would just be like really letting them be with this piece for their children. Cause like it, it starts with our childhood. It's the, all of this shutdown around like being our true authentic selves starts with how we're allowed to show up as a child. It's like, Oh, I have an opinion. No, you don't shut up. You're a kid. Piss off. Um, and so we learn that like, Oh, my voice isn't enough. It's my voice isn't worthy, et cetera, et cetera. So that thing is like super important with, parenting that you're just like, yeah, cool. You do have a voice. And actually kids can teach us so much separate to that. Um, cause I know that's sort of a very different tangent. Hmm. How to speak your authenticity is the, the, the main thing here is sounds probably cliche, but it's self-love. It's like, if I, if I was a person who absolutely devoutly loved myself more than I loved anyone else on the human race, I thought more of myself. I thought I was rad. I'm just like, you know, your stuff, you're an epic human being, you know, like I respect you. I look up to you. That's when, that's when you go, okay, I love myself so much. I must do the thing that's most important to me. And most of us disconnected from that. We're like, Oh no, I love myself. Like I make time for myself and I run hot baths. And, but then, (laughs) you know, but then when we're, we're around people who go, Oh, can I have you for this? Can I have you for that? And you're like over giving your time and yeah, sure. And you're farming yourself out, becoming a martyr and, you know, victim and all the things. So it comes, I think step one is like, if I can be really structured around this, really masculine is like, I would say find somebody who is showing up the way you want to show up and go and spend as much time with them as possible. Like somebody who's showing up in their full self-love, somebody who's got clear boundaries who you say, hey, do you want to go for coffee? No, thanks. But like maybe next week, you know, it's like they don't need to explain themselves and be like, I'm so busy and blah, 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 blah. Somebody who's clear in their boundaries, who knows how to put themselves first, whether that's a coach or a friend or a partner or a parent find that person or those people go and spend as much time as you can with them to like, let that because, because energy rubs off on, you know, our energy permeates each other. Right. So get that energy and start to put yourself first, start to notice all the times you give away your power and maybe write them all down and then, and then start to rectify that and go, okay, cool. So I wasn't being truthful when I said I didn't want to go for coffee. I wasn't being truthful when I did this thing. I wasn't being truthful to myself, you know, and then start to rectify that one step at a time. Sometimes like with clients, sometimes who are real people pleasers, I'll just be like, cool, this week is a no week. Every single thing that somebody requests of you is no, just a no. Nope. And it's so hard. It's really, really hard. Right. Cause like we're taught we're taught to put other people first. We're taught to put our parents first. That's the biggest one that, you know, um, my thing to my kids is like, what I want them to know is like, I have unconditional love for them. And no matter what they do, I will still be here. And also they can pull me, call me out on my shit. If they see that I'm like being, you know, off center or out of, out of, off, off of my course, call me on it. And if I start acting like a douchebag, you can walk away. Like, don't take that on board. You know, it's just like, my opinion is just my opinion. You guys are only like young, you know, they're young adults, but it's like, you don't need to worry about what I think of what you're doing. Like, just take on board. Like, sure. Listen to me. I've got more life experience, but then go, okay, what does my compass tell me? This is what I'm going to do. And mom, you better still love me. Cause you said you would like, okay. Yeah, hundred percent. So there's a couple of things there, like just the power of no. I was actually just thinking this morning when I was out running about doing a post on it because the word no, it's like, oh yeah, we, we think we could say that and it comes to it. Can we? It's like, we can't just say no. And that's the sentence. It's like, oh no, because we've got to think of an excuse or a lie or a reason or something. 
And it's so amazing when you see someone that's so bounded, like actually has, I think for a lot of us, it's very respectful. You, you know, when someone says, exactly she said, no, next week perhaps. But that just is so powerful in itself. But then this um, compass, trusting yourself. So, you know, you've talked about self-love and spending time with people who are boundaryed and have really embodied that self-love practice, which in itself is um, a process for us to go through, right? Like it's one thing having an awareness and starting to integrate, but the embodiment of that is I think where the real power comes. But this idea of trusting yourself is, is coming from what your body is saying, not what your mind is saying. Um, and I know that's obviously the work that you do um, a lot with your clients as well is the importance of that component. How, how do I start to trust myself? How do I start to notice where my body's saying yes or no? Where does that appear? How do I feel that? Um, and maybe you could talk to that a little bit as well, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. Um, so just to be clear, and, and sometimes I get caught in this language as well, languaging as well, is like sometimes it probably sounds like I'm saying don't trust the mind, only trust the body. But what I what I mean to say is don't trust the mind without the body, right? Trust the mind when the body's online with it as well. So it's like here's the mind and then we have this like central, this heart, and then we have like our gut and our sex center and what we want to do is rather than going, okay, I'm going to make decisions from the mind. Yes, that's the right thing to do, which most of us believe it is, or no, that's a really wrong thing to do, which most of the spiritual community think it is. Then we go, okay, mind, bring it online with the heart, integrate those two energies. And there's practices for doing this, integrate the sex and the the gut, because the gut is like the intuitive piece. It's the, and the sex is the belonging and security and the power piece. And the heart is the piece that like only does things from love, whether that be self-love or love for others. And then the mind is like the logic and the reasoning. It's important to have that online. A really simple way to do this, if you're like beginner level, which 99% of the population probably are, maybe 95, um, is to notice, like, I'm a real yes person as well, but I don't, um, it's not that I overgive. I say yes to things and then I might be like, oh, actually, huh, that doesn't necessarily feel like a yes in my body. Like I say yes because I love connection. And it's a yes in the moment, but then like sitting with that and I go, oh, okay, no, that feels like a no. So some of us have to take time to really be with things. So often it's a great exercise to say no initially and then like, oh, can I get back to you? Can I get back to you on that? Like just give me a couple of hours just to be with it and then you can go away from that person, from their energy, from their experience, from their desires of you and expectations and just be with it. And then you can have a solid answer. So that's number one. Number two is recognizing as you move through the day today, recognizing what a yes feels like and what a no feels like exactly. So often when we are moving through the world, we're just constantly having thoughts, like millions of thoughts, right? It's like, we're having like, you know, however many thoughts per second at any given moment. And you notice the thought the, the biggest kind of two or three thoughts. But then if you if you can just sort of take yourself out of the outside world and just be on your own for a moment, you notice your thoughts for a second. And then with those thoughts, the narrative about what you're experiencing, you'll notice if you bring yourself into your body, just your thoughts, you bring your mind down into your body. So you think of your body and you can like take some deep breaths into your body. As you do that, you might notice some emotion around your thought. So your thought might be, I think too fucking much. Like I'm so stressed out. I think too fucking much. So you bring yourself down into your body and you feel that in your heart and you probably feel like, oh, I'm a failure. That makes me sad. It makes me feel grief. I don't feel like I'm enough. I feel unlovable. Like whatever that is, they notice the emotions, right? Because there's a story there. Then we move to emotion and then... If you can allow yourself, maybe a practice you do over a week, but allow yourself the next step, number one, mind. Number two, like notice the thoughts. Number two, notice the emotion. Number three is notice the sensation. Because with everything in our body, there's a sensation. And many of us are completely numb to this sensation. But once we notice the sensation, we go, 
Oh my gosh. Actually, I'm feeling heaps of tingling along my, on the top of my legs and, um, like a real fluttery feeling in my heart and some tension in my jaw. Okay. And I just sit with that and you'll notice that the sensations move around your body. They'll shift as you notice them. Like it's kind of like a child that wants your attention and you be with it. And then it goes, Oh, that's okay. I'm done here. I'll go over here. So the, the sensations start to move around the body. And when you notice the sensations, you, what happens is you're being with the present moment. It's a really great way to step into like a meditation practice. It's just being with the sensation. It's a great way to step into self-pleasure practice or, you know, embodiment practice. It's, it's a really key point. So being with that brings you into the present moment. And then you can integrate the sensation that goes with the yes and the sensation that goes with a no. So rather than the thought that goes with a yes of like, yes, I really want to do that. Okay. That means a yes. That's not it. Go into the body and notice, okay. Like, and you might be a really quick shift between emotion. You might not even notice an emotion with it, or it might be like, oh, there's joy. Great. Okay. That feels okay. Joy feels good. That's what I want to feel. Right. And then the sensation is like, this expansive kind of opening of your heart. And it's like, okay, I think like that might be a yes. And so you write it down and go, well, I think a yes feels like this. Cool. And then every time you notice it, you go, okay, is that, is that what I feel? I feel that. And sometimes it'll be, you know, a range of different things, but a no for me feels like, um, nothingness for me personally, everyone's different. Um, but for me, I get a, a sense of nothing. I feel nothing. And so it's like, when someone goes, do you want to do this? I just go, nope. <laughs> like I feel, I feel nothing right now. So no, there's no inspiration. There's no sensation that's like fluttering and making me excited about it or, or making me feel, because it's not necessarily about being excited. Sometimes I'll feel like a huge wave of emotion of like, fuck, that's really affecting for me. Yes, 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 yes. I want to do it. So just noticing what the yes feels like sensational wise and what it no feels like sensational wise, writing that down, keep noticing it. And then you become really good at reading the body. And that's just such a simple way, just a starting point. Yeah, I think you're right. It becomes a practice, right? It just becomes second nature. Um, And obviously we can't get to that point until we've done the practice. And yeah, for me, it's very much um, an energetic feeling. You know, I'm either up or it's it's down. You know, I have like almost like a physical, like repellent to something that I don't want to do. Um, And I I immediately feel it. Um, And I think it's, it's such an important practice to just allow people the opportunity to really feel into what's really going on versus what we think we should be doing. Because often there's so many things that we could do. doesn't mean that's what we should be doing. So it's just paying attention to, again, just being discerning with who you spend your time with, where you spend your time, having those boundaries um, and building that self-love for yourself so that you're spending your days doing things that bring you that pleasure and that joy and that excitement. Um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, another question, which is slightly off, not off topic, but um, just yeah. switching gears a little bit. Um, and that's around the sexuality piece. Um, because I think that it's such a huge topic, right? So it's, you know, definitely warrants, you know, another podcast on its own. Um, however, mm-hmm. I think it can be, for some people and some women, uh, quite an intimidating um, place to start to explore. Um, Often I think a lot of judgment comes up, um, shame, guilt, um, lots of different emotions. You know, some some women are completely, you know, into their body and perhaps don't experience it in the same way. But I think for a lot of us, um, we perhaps want more and want to explore what that means um, and to be able to have a more enriching, deeper relationship with ourselves as well as, you know, our partner um, or partners, um, however we, um, whatever we, our choices around that. Um, So I'm interested to know a little bit more about where you um, may begin with that, but also just some of the, um, experiences that you've seen from yourself and your clients when they start to really access that energy and connect with themselves what a difference it makes to their relationships yes 
um, a relationship to self, but also their life. How does it expand? How does it really help and support them um, once they're able to perhaps walk through some initial fear um, and perhaps feeling a bit scared about approaching it? Cool. So just to be clear, I hear two questions. One is what does it kind of look like to work around sexuality? Like, um, I feel like that's kind of there. Yep. And then the second one is how does it affect people's lives when they do work around the sexuality? Is that kind of right? Yeah. And I think just potentially allaying fears that people might have about starting to work on something like that. Yeah. Because it can be a bit scary. I think it's really scary. It's one of the most scary things that anyone can do is to work on their sexuality. Um, men usually get caught up in the idea that they're meant to know, they, they should know. And let's face it, who is teaching sexual education to our young people? Well, at my, at my son's school, it's one of the teachers who also just teaches like English or maths or like geography. And that's fine. But they're, you know, they're, they have a big sexual story that they haven't worked through yet. Right. Yeah. So, um, what it looks like to work with me around sexuality is, um, it's really important for people to get super comfortable in and there'd be a huge piece of trust. So you don't just go to work with a sexuality coach and like show up and be like, cool. So I'm like, um, I can't reach my orgasm. And I'm like, you know, I think my nipples are too big. And also like I have trauma, like you're not open like that. You're not just going to show up and just throw all your shit on the table. It's very un- un- unlikely. Yeah. Um, and usually if you do throw your shit on the table, you're pretty open and you've done a lot of work around it. So they'll, they'll usually for me be a lot of talk therapy or some talk therapy at least to, to create a trust and to create a safe container where it's like, there's no judgment here. I've seen and done all of it myself. I've experienced so many things. And I've also worked with people in like all sorts of like fetishes and um, yeah, like all sorts of things that most people would just be like, no way can I accept somebody like that? I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm on board for that. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, So we do a lot of talk therapy and then we start to get into the body and the body basically brings up the stuff that wants to come through. The mind wants to bring through all the same shit you've worked with, with the therapist and the psychologist. And that, you know, it's still, it's holding on to all the like main pieces. Whereas the body is like, Hey, actually, this is what wants to come through. So I get people into their, their bodies around their sexuality and then we can move into self-pleasure practices and then we can move into pleasure practices with other and, you know, all sorts of things. So that's what it looks like. And what I experience, um, two different things, two main threads for men and women working around sexuality with me. For men, it looks like mm, it's always the feedback I receive, whether a man comes for like a one, one-off session, um, which I don't really do anymore, or they come for like a container of three to six months is they, they're walking out after each session into the world and like women are like, whoa, like they're looking at them in the street. It's like something going on with that guy, you know, and it's got nothing to do with what he's wearing or how handsome he is, you know, in a mainstream societal way. Um, but he, it's like he, 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 he gets his life force energy and he like, and like zips it up inside of himself. And he's just like, "Mm, yeah, I'm fucking here, you know? And when, the human race can feel like somebody just solid in themselves. Like we experience arousal when we see that. We're like, oh, oh, I don't know what that is, but like there's something, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. So that's what yeah. men usually experience when they work with me. And then I know it's like, yes. <laughs> um, and then Bring one to women. <laughs> yes, exactly. Please be on my doorstep. Um, for women, it is... The, the biggest feedback I get is this extreme sense of intuition that comes on board when we work around the sexuality. So they, they just like, there's stuff I can't not see anymore. There's stuff that like, I know stuff is happening before it's happening. And, you know, it's not even around sexuality, you know, like, yeah, they're more empowered and they're having these incredible, you know, they go from like, being a 35-year-old non-orgasmic woman, never had a single orgasm in her life to being this multi-orgasmic, like fully open, able to have conversations and, you know, change her friendship circles is usually a byproduct of that because, you know, people are just like, holy shit, I, I'm not ready for this. And so sometimes that there's lots of byproducts, but 
the intuition piece is the biggest piece that comes on board. They're just like, I feel like I'm like magic and I have these superpowers and nobody knows and nobody gets it. But like, I, I know it's amazing. And so I almost feel like I, you know, instead of calling my, my course, like essential self-mastery, I should call it like school of magic for women or something. <laughs> like the Pied Piper so, or something. It's just like, uh, so. but I mean, when you see, oh, see, magnetic people it's that feeling and you just it it draws you in right it's so incredible so powerful it is it is and it's really important in those sexual journeys or sexuality journeys that because I'm not teaching people to be multi-orgasmic to go and like fuck more people and you know get more dates I'm teaching them or guiding them back into like their core so that they just stay centered and they magnetize everything around them. And this is what we do in business. It's what we do in like, you know, people come to me for a business journey. Half the time I'm like, I would really like you to work with me on actually my sexuality journey first. Cause like, it's such a big part of it, you know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, can I do everything? It's like, I was just, yes. okay. <laughs> do it all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, it's so important that you said all of that because I think there is this myth around, or potentially could be a myth around working with a sexuality coach that it is just about like, okay, I'm just going on fuck everybody. It, it's I the know. power that it unleashes this like life force, which has been a piece for me that I found so intriguing and just wanting to know more about. And it makes complete sense. You open that and unlock it. And this magnetism, this magic and this beautiful energy and this brightness and lightness that exists like everybody wants a piece of that right yeah. and that's yeah that that's beautiful so that's yeah. I mean a, a huge piece in itself obviously but um I think it was really important to talk about that because um it's something that I would encourage you know anybody to explore um mm. and to do that in a way that is yes potentially going to feel a little bit uncomfortable because when you start talking about sex and all those kind of things it's um it's not as you said right at the beginning it's not commonplace it's not not an everyday conversation unfortunately yet um and so therefore it it creates this like barrier in uh, fear um because people don't want to be judged um, well, look at look at the way that our society sees prostitution. You know, like many of these women who are who are in the industry of prostitution, for example, are doing um, incredible work. Like they may not even realize it, but there's you know we have these men that are so disconnected from their feminine, and you know it may look like they're walking into a red light district wanting to get their you know their end in, and like that's it. But actually, they're looking for like connection and they're looking for stress relief and they're looking for like a a soft bodied touch and a you know that that femininity and so not knowing how to get that for themselves like they're going to go and get it from another and that's something like we have this really thirsty thing in society and we see it in the dating industry we have it in the dating kind of thing um and we have it everywhere where like we see men as these thirsty you know like feminine blood sucking we see them like oh he just wants sex he just wants sex he's just here for this he's blah 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 just using women and most men are just not like that you know some sure but um most of us just don't know how to harness and access our inner masculine and feminine inside of us so it's the same for women we're looking for somebody to hold the masculine um pole and it's like what happens if we hold it for ourselves? It doesn't mean we lose the man. It means that a man who meets us in that holds his masculine and feminine pole, right? So it's like you, if you hold your own masculine and feminine pole, like if a partner, a prospective partner came to me and he didn't have any of his masculinity online, like he was just like a floppy, kind of a bit flaky, didn't show up, we're not a match. Like it just won't work, you know? So it's like like attracts like. I think you said that before. So um, you know, sexuality work, it stems into every single cell and pore of your body and the way that you re- relate with everyone else. And when you speak, I'll just speak really quickly to this. When you speak to like, um, you know, people think that when sometimes when I say, oh, I'm a sex coach, people are like, well, so like, do you have sex with people? 
I'm like, oh my yeah. God, wow. It's so far from the truth. It's but so like, so you'll see on, um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, totally. And, um, you know, society, I, I, I would just go as far, as far as just to be like really blatant about this. The powers that want to control you don't want you to be um, connected to your sexual energy because your sexual energy means you know you're in a power and you know you're no and you know you're fuck society. I'm not doing that thing the government wants me to do. You know, whether it's vaccinations or getting in a lineup that's 15 hours long to get a test or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the things are, you're just like, no, I know myself. I know, you know, when I'm unhealthy, I know when I'm online, I know when I'm offline. Like, so, and it's been happening for eons. Women who were connected to their sexual power, you know, back in the day were burnt at the stake. They were called witches, you know? Mm. And it's like, actually, no, they, were, they just knew. They knew they had an inner knowing. And that inner knowing gets us shunned by society. People are like, you're weird. Like, or you're, you're like magic or something. You know, the people I hang out with are like, you're actually magic. Like, it's fucking excellent. You know, they love it. But mainstream society just goes, mm, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of different things there, but yeah, that's all. That's awesome, and I think um, just that feeling of doesn't it feel so amazing to have that sense of like sovereignty, power, yeah, um, that inner strength, which is work in progress for everybody. But I think when you start to tap into that a lot more, what happens is that you probably less and less start to just burst out on and put stuff on to other people because you're aware you know so the stuff that's not being addressed or that's hidden often gets expressed in other ways that are probably a little bit unhealthy um and when you're doing the work that you're talking about you're able to yes obviously meet yourself um with a a higher level of awareness and you're able to meet another from a place of knowing yourself and knowing your boundaries and knowing what's right for you and what's not right for you and being able to then bring in someone who is also at that at that same place um yeah it's powerful work and just as a final point there um I actually did Lily's um masculine and feminine um online course um which was so um just so valuable and just understanding that the different aspects of masculine and feminine and um I would encourage anyone to go and do that. I think that's still available on your website. Um, And it's just a really good entry point, I think, for starting to do some of the work. So if you're feeling like, well, I'd love to do this. I don't know if I'm ready to kind of go all in. um, That's just another great place to start. And on that, um, yeah, I would love to hear just what's going on for you, how people can reach out to you, find you, um you know if they want to hear more and talk to you more and, and I would just say um Lily's just so approachable so if any of this is resonating and you think I just want to have a conversation you are awesome at that just really understanding where people are at and meeting people where they're at but this is what's best for you you know I, I love that about yeah. you so um I just wanted to say that thank you yeah I appreciate that and I've grown to um, I've, I've grown to be, uh, I don't, don't know the word for it and I'm rushing myself to find it. I'm noticing right now, but it's, it's like when somebody comes to me and they go, this is what I've got going on. And I, I think you can help me. And sometimes we'll sit, you know, have a five minute conversation. It might even just be on text and I'll just go, actually, no, there's someone better. There's someone better in the dating industry for you or there's someone actually yes I have a friend who's a psychologist and she's amazing and she deals with exactly what you're after like let's do that you know like let's yeah, put you onto the right I want people yeah I want people to have like the experience I can't I can't give people everything so I just I want them to have success whatever it is right um <clears throat> so at the moment I'm just looking at my calendar for the year basically it looks like um working with me looks like Enlightenment in the Bedroom events, I run them in Sydney and in Newcastle, the Sexuality Relating Intimacy Speaker events where people, it's a luxe event, as you said, you came um, and you just come and sit in the audience and receive and listen and take it all in. And so I run those, I've got those in February, April, June and September and November, so they're every couple of months. Um, Also, my six-month container 
for women starts in early February. So it's only a couple of weeks away. And that essential self-mastery, that is pretty much the only way that I'm working with women in uh, sexuality and sensuality until July, right? And then um, I have another one from July to December. So that's a six-month container working one-on-one with me and in the group. That is the most powerful thing I, I think I offer really. And then there's the business journeys, which are still a one-on-one journey, six months together, taking your business from like maybe nothing to online to, to, to taking it to hopefully where you want to take it to, making some money from it, um, getting out there in the world. And then I do have like a mini, I don't know when this is coming out, but like I have a mini retreat on the women's one day retreat on the 31st of January. And throughout the year, like I've got a couple of seven day challenges here and there, but you know, mainly most of my time is going to be going, oh, and then of course for men, um, I take on three men every six months. So I, I have one spot left to work with me between February and July or August. And then I'll take on another three men for the end of the year. So there's a few different ways. And also online, you know, I have my masculine feminine course. I've got my sex and self-discovery for women. I've got my men's mastery course. They're all just online self-guided courses that are like really quite inexpensive and you can do them in your yeah. own time and your own privacy. And great. Um, yeah, a good way to kind of get into it. Yeah. I mean, I will um, tag you anyway, but you're zoeswain.com. Yep. And that's, uh, yep. yeah, dot com. Yeah. Yep. I'll, yeah, I'll link everything. And what is the final question? What does true confidence mean to you? Mm, true confidence to me is the, the deep connection to self where you know yourself, you love yourself, you trust yourself and you honor yourself. Um, and it's not only feeling that internally, but showing up in the world externally with the way that you feel inside that that's, that takes true confidence. And when you see that in someone, you know, those, that person is, has truly done the work and they truly are confident. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing story, your beautiful energy, your wisdom. There's so much in there for everyone, uh, me included. And I just want to thank you. Uh, I just love you, love working with you, love everything about you. You're amazing. So thank you very much. And I'll see you soon. If you love this episode, please leave me a five-star rating, subscribe for more and share with someone who needs to hear this today. 